Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm bringing back Springsteen, Madonna, way before Nirvana. There was U2 and Blondie, and music still on M-T-V. My two kids in high school, I don't have any kids in real life, it's a bit, they tell me that I'm uncool. <laughs> Because I'm still preoccupied in 19... 19... Dot, dot, dot. 1985. I mean, I'm Alex. And this week... I apologize for not being able to do that all in one go We're without talking laughing. about Goldfinger. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Goldfinger, so I quote 1985. It's fine. It makes perfect sense, really. <laughs> We do a lot of things on this podcast that people are listening to them for the first time. They'd be like, what is this? And you know what? They're not going to get an explanation because we don't know anymore. So Goldfinger from we 1964. Are, we are a shambling automaton. Directed by Guy Hamilton. Weird inside be jokes. Be quiet, you. It has a 97% <laughs> critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 89% audience score. And thus far, that is the highest of both of those for the... Uh, Mm-hmm. Three James Bond movies that we've done, not including the Craig movies. I'd have to go back and look at those. Uh... Yeah, I think it's still the highest overall. I think Goldfinger is the highest scores of all of them. Hear Which... the crinkle of paper, dear listener. We are old school. We are your friends. We're relatable. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> so, Tyler, a lot of people consider this to be maybe the best James Bond movie if not one of the best and for the longest time you and I were going no it's not mm-hmm. so tell mm-hmm. tell the folks at home how you felt this this time around and and what's your best thing and your worst thing about Goldfinger it's pretty good <laughs> alright not too bad yeah though we had watched this a while ago and both come across come away just like kind of abjectly disappointed and frustrated uh and then we watched it again and we were just like huh wait we actually that's it's fine so i don't know i don't know what that's we probably watched it around the time that we first uh picked up with or what that would have been during the the podcast maybe no i I don't remember at one point that would have been it was short it was shortly before the podcast because i was trying to prep you for specter uh bp before podcast there you go um yeah yeah and so, I don't know. I had a good time. Okay. <laughs> F minus. Uh, so, my... Um, Tyler doesn't lie. Correct. Uh, the best thing about this movie... I, I think I have to go with... I, I don't know the guy's name, but the, the actor who plays um, Goldfinger. Gert Frobe? Sure. He's a German actor, so I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing the last name, but, you know. He plays uh, Ulrich Goldfinger, which is just such a name. Um, I believe I, I made the point that his, his father was likely named uh, Ferris Iron Toes. <laughs> uh, is, is clearly uh, clearly runs in the family. Which we, we need um, we need that prequel. We need that prequel, Iron Toes. Eon Productions, get on it. <laughs> um. But yeah, you know he's he's really really good. He you know he kind of portrays this very specific character who's who's sort of a comes across as kind of a glutton. He's a cheat. He um, 
you know, is, is sort of a, has a, has a taste for living very lavishly and, and, you know, dragging women around with him and just generally being this very, like, uh, larger than life figure. And, and he does a very good job of portraying him sort of turning into, uh, to rage and to frustration when things don't go his way. Like he, you know, he does a good job of kind of playing that balance of like, sometimes when he's in control, he really, really turns up the, the menace. And then, uh, when when things you know kind of turn against him, he's he's definitely a lot more uh, or does a good job of of bringing across that frustration, um, painting a really good picture of the character. You know, kind of the same way um, that uh, guy who actor played villain last movie, who I cannot remember. You mean Robert Shaw as Red Grant? Robert Shaw. It was on the tip of my tongue. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> no, uh, same uh, same thing here. Where I I feel like he, which is probably not a great thing, but I feel like he was the best part of the movie. Um, in terms of Bond's character development, what uh, character development? General, exactly, like general general portrayal. I the guess the I most say. character development we get for Bond is that we learn he hates the Beatles. Correct, which is which is uh, we bizarre. might have to spend a good two minutes talking about that because uh, I have some thoughts. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah, I I mean he I I think the actor who who plays Goldfinger is very very good. Um, Frobe I suppose is very very good. Kurt Frobe. And uh, he was dubbed, correct? Is that am yes? I, am I understanding that correct? Yeah, apparently his Which is his fascinating. Age, they were able to swindle him in there to to get the part purely on on physical appearance which seems to be a common theme with bond movies both in terms of the girls and even like when george lazenby when we get to him apparently he just kind of swindled his way into the 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 office where they were casting guys and he like wore a sean connery-esque suit and they're like oh you look like james bond Mm -hmm. (laughs) i guess acting is just something that can be taken care of in editing just whatever you know just dub them <laughs> i mean i i think uh, they they do a decent job dubbing him considering yeah no i mean i i almost wouldn't have been able to tell if you hadn't pointed it out to me yeah um he pronounces the lines that apparently he can't actually pronounce very well so i don't know uh overall overall really enjoyed enjoyed him whenever he was on screen yeah um i agree i think my worst thing about this might be <clears throat> the lack of consistency in playing Bond, um, not not in Sean Connery playing Bond, but in Bond sort of a, as a character and and the way he is, or portraying, I guess would be the better word. Um, I I don't feel like they have. I I feel like we're three movies in and they've already sort of lost the plot on in terms of like how this guy is supposed to act and generally. Um, treat other people i don't know like it feels like they're they're he's devolved very quickly into male power fantasy uh, and it's the 60s and i get that um but i i have some problems with the way that he's he comes across in this uh just because i i feel like they've they've given up on attempting to make him a real character yeah <laughs> um and it goes back to that beatles thing um the, you know that's a that's a fun little throwaway line. He he's I forget what the the line is. Uh, he's like you you wouldn't drink this this uh, type of champagne or whatever without ice. Just like that that would be like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, that's a funny joke. Beatles are very popular at the time, you know. He sits well with the audience, yada yada yada. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I'm dying. He he makes that line, and it's like, wait. So so Bond has strong opinions about popular bands at the time. Like he's he listens to bands enough to like to like form form these thoughts, and like I. To be that fair, like a, that does sound like a very Ian Fleming thing to say. <laughs> sure, and, and I—that's—I I know this seems like immediately like an extreme nitpick, but I think it does, especially in the context of the movie. Um, it's it's one of many examples of the writers sort of sort of, or maybe Sean Connery. I don't know, sort of putting this spin on this character who they don't really know what to do with, and they're just like, well, let's make him, you know. Men want to be him. Women want to be with him. That's 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 what we're going with, right? And so they they sort of turn him into more of you know he was always kind of a, a lady killer, but now he's too much of a lady killer, uh, as we'll get into. Um, they, you know, kind he of sleeps kind of only with two women. This movie only with two. So so only we're back to Doctor No levels here. Back to Doctor No levels. Um, no wait, no he sleeps with three women in Doctor No, right? How many is it? it sounds right. I want to say it was three, four, two is what we're at. So it was four in From Russia with Love. Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe so. That doesn't sound right. Yes, it was because he had the three. <laughs> he had the threesome with with the two the uh, at the gypsy camp. Right. Correct. Right. It's a thing it, we want to be talking about in our Bond movie. It, no, no, no. It, it's it's like that joke in Iron Man where they ask him if he actually did sleep with with the. Uh, the, the the whatever the Playboy like model yeah. of the month or whatever and he's like mm. oh June had a scheduling conflict fortunately December was twins <laughs> <laughs> it's like that <laughs> woo except it's not supposed to be a joke <laughs> <clears throat> yeah um I never said from Russia with love was perfect okay <laughs> I like it a lot but it's not perfect. I think you did. Uh, so the 60s were a different time. The 60s were a different time. But getting back to Bond, um, I I do feel like his the way they approach the character is very much let's let's just throw like the, there's never I mean and you kind of mentioned this as well that he doesn't do much by the end of the movie. Like he that, he does know? he has a couple of key things that he does, but he's overall. The fact that he's just prisoner for like the second half of the movie is just I don't know, I I, I find yeah. that just not as compelling. Compelling. Yeah. He I mean he it really does feel like he loses a bit of a bit of agency bunch uh towards the end where um I think I made that joke in the last episode or two. You probably uh, did. I'm gonna make it every episode. You watch me. Um we're gonna call it the bond agency factor. Uh he really doesn't. We'll call it, a, it a agency under fire. Sure, For you Bond sure. video game nerds, you'll know what I'm talking about. We're, we're doing sure. all the puns. <laughs> anyway, uh, it feels like they sort of take a step back with pushing him as as any sort of compelling interesting character it doesn't really have any arc of any any kind um and just sort to of be fair he didn't this... really have an arc in either of the previous movies sure 
Because that's, not, cause that's not what these movies are about, which is kind the of fir- unfortunate. The first movie. Yeah, the first movie was... Or Dr. No, you know, he, he was kind of a compelling... Uh, he, I mean, he was a compelling man on a mission. Like, yeah. it's, it wasn't just completely nothing. You right. Know? He, he, was, he was accomplishing things. He, we, we like to watch him, uh, you know, kind of do, do what he does best. And, right. and uh, he, he was fun to watch in these new and interesting situations where this one... Uh, really does feel like we're starting to take a, a, a step back from Bond and care more about the set pieces and the villains, which is yep. fine. The vill- villains is, a, is, I think, a fine... It's it's okay to focus a little more on the villains. Mo- most um, of the best Bond movies have really good villains. Yes, but we're taking a step back to focus on the, the set pieces as well. Uh, the kind of... The Bond girls, of course. The set pieces, the, the gadgets, um, the explosions, the special the effects... Explosions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the gimmicks, the big, the big sweeping, uh, air, like the you know the the two minute long sequence where planes are flying over the over Fort Knox, uh, knocking people out, and it has the most quote. bombastic score ever. <laughs> it's just playing. going on and on, like John Williams, on. "Eat Your Heart Out." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it they. It doesn't. It feels like I can, as much as I I did generally enjoy this movie. Uh, we are starting to swing into we've entered fantasy lands. Yes, where I'm like, huh? Like I mean, I'm thinking about the the last one. You know, the from Russia with Love. I don't think was was too far off from this, but the set pieces were not quite as grand. The spectacle was not quite as grand. Yeah. Um, you know, we started off with a Russian spy, sorry, Spectre spy, I guess in general, um, take, taking out a, you know, strangling a man, uh, and then moved on to a, a chess match. And so it was kind of like this interesting grounded entry into this big spy world, yeah. and, you know, it was kind of leading us into that. Whereas here, and not, not to really compare like the beginning of the movies or anything, but I'm saying, I think that movie those are just a couple of examples, and you can point them out throughout the movie. But that movie's a lot more grounded, and you know, maybe feels a little more real a lot of the time. Where this one, we've got Odd Job with his flying hat of death, and he can crush a golf ball in his hand. He can crush golf balls, um, and it, uh, Bond again, throws a solid gold brick at him, and it doesn't phase him at all. Yes, yes, I enjoyed this movie, but I, I can already see. We're probably going to get some diminishing returns as a the creativity of all these little weird pieces and villains and set pieces goes down, yeah. and b uh, we stop we can like care less and less about Bond as a character. Well, yeah, um, and, I'm already kind of worried about that's that. the, that's the issue I have with so many of the Bond movies. Despite being a massive James Bond fan, um, it's mm-hmm. just once they realized that this formula worked and was very effective in terms of just making money and entertaining people, which. You know, yeah. th- sure not. You know, something fa- to be said. Fair yeah. enough. That's that. Th- I. That's a very justified reasoning for for why you would approach it that way. Um, but yeah, they quickly just Bond just because comes like a plug-in, like generic suave action guy who has witty one-liners and sleeps with girls mm-hmm. and shoots people. Like that's that's all. That's all Bond becomes. And then it becomes less about the the plots because they start straying so far away from the Ian Fleming stories. Fortunately, this one, I think overall, and this might be my best thing, I don't know, I'll still have to give it some thought, um, it utilizes most of the Goldfinger plot and tweaks it where it needs to and actually, I think, makes it kind of better than the book in in, in some places. 
Um, but they they quickly go, eh, we don't really need it to be quite like the book. It doesn't matter. It's fine. It's whatever. And and then like, oh well, you're not even using like the story that the that you know mm-hmm. you're you're leaving behind the plot. Why why are you doing that? So they 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 quickly just focus on all right. What what are the what are the gimmicks? What what's the villains? Yep. Uh, what's his look? What's what's the Bond girl like? What's what's the, what's the gadgets? What are the set pieces? Um, it becomes so much about those artificial moments as opposed to let's tell the best story. Let's try and give Bond some interesting agency, some character. Let's try and develop mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and this movie's kind of on the tipping point of that. So, um, I understand why this movie is such a, a pop culture milestone. Um, certainly of the first three it's the most memorable would you agree with that yes definitely it, and I, I think <clears throat> what did I give from Russia with Love a C plus okay. I'll never I'll forgive my, I'll I, never forgive you for that that's fair um, <laughs> I don't expect you to uh, I expect you to die <laughs> uh, see yeah. exactly you just proved the point I'm, I'm a Bond fan right <laughs> hey I'm I'm not like other guys. I'm a real Bond fan. <laughs> I can quote the movies. Uh, yeah, it, it's... No, I agree. It, I I think this will end up kind of coming across highest for me. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I actually gave Dr. No a higher score, but that was like a B minus, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that yeah. much higher. So, <laughs> I, I think we'll, we'll kind of see how this discussion plays out, but I, I think that I will end up giving it a slightly higher score. Yeah. Um, at least... <clears throat> and all the stuff that I'm yeah. saying, like the producers were... You know they were aware of that. They realized this is their intent with the Bond movies is not the same as Ian Fleming's intent was with the right. books. This is escapist entertainment. We want people to forget their lives and just enjoy the fantasy. Yes, for two hours. That's that's mm-hmm. the intent for most of the Bond movies. So on that level, this movie works wonders. This is an A plus movie on that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least for the sixties. At least for the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, come, come, come a little ways since yeah. then in terms of film and cultural sensitivity. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Get into that. Uh, so, what is what is your best and worst thing about Goldfinger? We're gonna have to talk about the theme song at some point. We're gonna have to. Talk We're gonna about have to start rating these theme songs now that we've gotten into songs with lyrics in them, and like, it's not just yeah, score. Yeah, I was gonna say the last two were scores, right? Well, From Russia with Love's weird because they have a score for the opening titles, but there actually is a From Russia with Love song with lyrics that plays a couple Mm -hmm. of times in the background. Um, It's it's kind of a weird case, so sure. Uh, But yeah, we'll have to talk about the the Goldfinger song because it's simultaneously the best song and the worst song ever made. Accurate. Um, my best thing, uh, like but, I said, but how does hold on, hold yeah. on, how does it compare to Doctor No's Three Blind Mice and 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 underneath the various, mango tree, <laughs> various Jamaican men singing Three Blind Mice. And, uh, I, is, you know, I think that takes. The you cake, can't go wrong with the classics, <laughs> is what I'm saying. You can't go wrong with the classics. Uh, <laughs> Continue. My best thing, I think, is going to be what I was talking about earlier, how how they're able to tweak the Fleming story mm-hmm. to make it... Despite how cartoony this movie is, especially compared to the last two, they tweak the plot so it becomes more realistic, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is... Especially because we talk about... 
we talked about a lot like book adaptations because that's you know a bunch of the franchises that we've done and how a lot of fans kind of feel superior when they walk in and they're watching something because they already know what's going to happen so it's just I have never heard of such a thing Game of Thrones oh my god so it, it's kind of interesting so so what I'm talking about is in the book Goldfinger's plan to rob Fort Knox is literally that it's to rob Fort Knox of all of its gold and he's got like this whole army to move in and, and rob it. Which, when you think about it, just how much gold there is, how much it weighs, and they spelled this out in the movie, it would be a very unrealistic proposition to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to do that in time. Uh, so in this movie, they pretty much spell that out, just pointing out like this huge gaping logic hole in the book. And then Goldfinger's like, yeah, that's not my plan. I'm going to release like a small dirty bomb, like a nuclear bomb inside Fort Knox. It's going to it's going to make all the gold radioactive. They can't touch it. My uh my personal gold stock goes up tenfold. Right. That's a and, very and you... fun subversion. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm just wondering if people who had read the books and they went into the theater and they're like, "Oh, well, he's just going to rob it." I wonder what their reaction was when they heard that. Yeah. And and I I mean you mentioned that to me in the uh, or when we were watching this and I I definitely think that is brilliant in terms of it's it's almost uh, <clears throat> it's actually probably <laughs> not almost it's better than the the Watchmen twist um, but it's similar along those lines of of how Watchmen <clears throat> um, flips the the script spoilers can, for you, Watchmen spoilers for Watchmen you can you can argue this all you want I think it's better. I, get it I, if you don't. I don't care for the squid thing at all. Um, so basically, yeah, what Tyler's um, talking about is at the end, Ozymandias releases like this giant squid thing in the book. In, in, in the, the in the book, the um, and that's supposed to be like, oh, there's this giant alien threat, and that causes all the the nations to band together to sort of form <laughs> world peace because they're afraid of this this alien monster that killed so many people. Right. Um, and in the movie, they're like, "No, it's this these generators, these these reactors that that uh, Doctor Manhattan was building. You know that guy that we were already afraid of." <laughs> and then all these bombs go off, and it's like, "Oh, Doctor Manhattan caused them, even though he de- actually didn't, but it looks like he yes. did." Uh, they it, it manages <coughs> to streamline the story in a way that still makes sense with with all the preceding events. Yes, exactly. And I. I really appreciate that, and I think just because they don't they they don't stick to that in in future movies, and that that really irks me. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're talking about they don't stick to that sort of building on the books. No, not at all. In future Bond movies, really, I think Thunderball is like the last one that really sticks close to the book. I mm-hmm. think the rest of them after that just deviate wildly. Sounds about right. Um, which is very disappointing. I still, I, I, my ideal version of what would happen with the Bond franchise after Craig is gone, um, is that they would they would consider just doing more straight up adaptations of, of the original books. Um, you still have to do tweaks. I've already talked about sure. this, but um, yeah, use the material that was there and then twist it where you need to. Mm-hmm. Um. In terms of worse things, I got a couple things I could go with. 
Did you feel, technically speaking, that this movie had a lot more issues in terms of, of like, rear screen projection and just distracting effects than the previous movies did? Eh. Not particularly. I felt it quite a bit in places. Okay. Um, and, of course, it's, it's the 60s, so I can't judge it that harshly, and this probably isn't my worst thing, but it was something I noticed, particularly, like, at the beginning when they're at Miami Beach. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. There's some. There's some. There is some wonky. <laughs> uh, it's. I, I think it's rear projection. But then also, there's just weird things like the angle of a Bond looking through the binoculars and how it kind of pans because it's just like they had the camera on it and they weren't thinking about it being the binoculars. Right. I right. would assume. Um, just some of the angles are weird. It's. It's. It, it, once again, it's one of those things where they weren't expecting this to ever get a home release, so it's just. You watch it once or twice, and that stuff would never even pop into your head. Yeah. yeah. As something to consider, so... And there's just some minor moments where they speed up the footage. Um, sure. It's probably about on par with From Russia With Love in that regard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's just a bunch of weird technical things, because this movie's so cartoony. Um, yeah. The opening bit where he he looks into the girl's eye and sees the reflection of the guy, sure, I'm like sure. that. No, no, <laughs> stop. And then immediately, but at the same time. and then immediately <laughs> after that, the guy gets knocked into the water. Bond electrocutes him, which is a nice little setup for how he takes out Odd Job. That's actually mm-hmm. once again th- that's a clever little thing to help twist it from the, the plot of the book. Um, but like the the bath water like lights up red mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's just, like that's not how that works <laughs> i mean it is, that that i think is a little <clears throat> these are nitpicks it, these are nitpicks well that i i think the eye thing is kind of distracting to watch it these days yeah the i think the electricity thing is actually less distracting because at least it's, it's, it's not just... purple light like that explosion yeah, in the last yeah. movie it, it, it's it's that kind of shorthand for for heat even though that doesn't really make sense to show in in water yeah. um and i don't know it, it but it's, like, it's an effect imagine scene. if when odd jobs getting electrocuted at the end imagine if all the bars just turned red sure sure but they don't cuz they realized oh hey maybe that's dumb <laughs> I don't know. I can. My thing is, I can see how that would be very a very brutal scene if you didn't have it kind of be stylized and and, and colored and heated. Because <laughs> if it's just he throws it in there and then the guy just like, oh god, and then yeah, burns to death. And I don't know. It didn't bother me as much. Um, there I are definitely a lot of things like it's that. in the same scene where he looks into her eyes. Sure, sure. And I'm I, I'm generally okay with a lot of that. Just just sort of letting it pass by because I'm like, I get it. 60s, so, like, 60s were a different time I get it. these are the things you can most expect, expect by watching a movie from the 60s and I, I will say there are some some good like I mean again it's it's the, the on site shooting um, yes it's the practical it's, it's effects really like as, as uh, much as I'm, I'm complaining about like rear screen projection and stuff I prefer that over green screen because sure. you know what the difference is rear screen projection the actor can see behind them they can look behind them and see what's going on because yeah. it's being it's literally being projected while they're filming. Um yeah. so they can see what's happening. It's not green screen where you look around, you have no idea what what's supposed to be going on around you. Right, right. So at least there there's something more tangible there. Sure. At least in terms of the performances that are being given. But yeah, but but beyond that too like I mean the the shot where they're 
There's some uh, there's some good camera work, particularly we're, with we're, the driving sequences. No, that's exactly what I was about to, exactly what I was about to say is the shot where you've got Goldfinger on the bottom of the cliff, Bond's on the next level, and yep. then I can't remember the Bond girl. Short, Tilly Masterson. First quarter Bond girl, Tilly Ma- or sorry, I guess I guess she would be second quarter because we lost the first quarter Bond girl. Second Wait, quarter what, Bond what's girl. What's third and fourth quarter? I think both of those are pussy galore. Okay, you okay. You said the name before I do. I did, and so sure, I, I, sure. I feel less awkward about it now. <laughs> it's there. Um, we need to address that. We do need to address that, and we will because it's not just the name that's problematic. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, just there, kiss her the, until she likes it. <laughs> there are three cliffs. What a gentleman! And there's one shot where uh, Goldfinger's at the bottom. He's buying something from like a stand. Then Bond's on the second cliff, and then Tilly Masterson's actually on the third cliff, yeah. looking down. And there's kind of a nice pan out where we see. And, and I'm like, that's a really good like scouting of location. Like that's a great little yeah. like area to to look at. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, there, there's some different things like that. The entire Fort Knox set is pretty great. Um, I don't know what that. I don't. I assume it's not actually Fort Knox. No. I don't really know what they converted no. from that. But like some sort of. It looks like I don't know what it was. Um, All the but, sets are pretty cool. Like you, even the it's opening this big three stuff, three level set. E- even the opening. You know the stupid nonsense where Bond's got the little bird on his head, and then he like he, he, it, mm. you know they they have to f- speed oh, up yeah. the footage of him throwing it off. Um, <laughs> then the idiots just standing next to the wall and, and and then like he's looking up and then Bond just lands on him. <laughs> uh, but, but, but like yeah, when he gets inside tanks. and he's blowing up all the the drugs and everything like mm-hmm. it's a cool mm-hmm. set like all all the the sets the production design is good. Mhm mhm. And uh all all of Goldfinger's moving project or moving pieces in his in his big presentation hall which once again it doesn't make maybe a whole a lot of sense but maybe a little unnecessary but they look very cool they're like actual moving desks and maps and stuff i think the the exposition scene with fort knox is the most unrealistic thing in the whole movie yeah yeah it's, a, it's and very there's strange. a very easy way to fix that sure which we'll, we'll get into because we got to talk about sure. you know them going and killing off solo and then you know yeah yeah, yeah. bonds underneath because there's event <laughs> or something yeah yeah we'll get into that um, oh, also the way bond escapes is never mind that's the most unrealistic scene <laughs> in the movie just that whole section's not very strong okay sure sure that's one thing but it that, looks cool that's one thing that they they change from the books that does not go over well <laughs> sure but it looks cool so who cares yeah um but yeah i think i think overall it, it does look it does look pretty good. Did you even say your worst thing in all of that? No, I don't think I did. Um, yeah, I think my worst thing is just going to be that section where Bond escapes and then learns all the exposition about everything because there's very simple ways to streamline that and they just don't. Mm-hmm. So basically the idea is that Goldfinger's taken a bunch of money from a bunch of different mobsters uh, as investments and so he brings them all together in one room and explains what he's doing with their money. So he's investing in this crime to seemingly rob Fort Knox. Um, and he's got a nice little model. It moves. It's it's all mm-hmm. fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he he's explaining the plan. Meanwhile, Bond is is in a cell and he's just walking. He's pacing. He looks out the window at the one uh, Chinese guard watching him, and he just smiles. He waves at him. Then he gives this super creepy smile. That then just like lowers himself out out of out of view. And the Chinese guy has no sense of object permanence, and he goes, "Where did he go?" And then he goes and checks, and somehow Bond was able to climb up and hang onto the ceiling. So when the guy opens the door, he he lands on him and knocks him out. Um, this actually happens in the movie. Uh, and then he goes and he's underneath the Fort Knox model because yes. the Fort Knox building has like. Little well, openings that Bond it's, can it's look It's worse through? than that. It's worse than that, though, because it's not just like, oh, we we took this building and we carved it out and made it look fancy by having it be hollow. No, it's the building. The building is carved out of the table. Yeah. Somehow the little Fort Knox minute because there's a there's a gap in the bottom of this table that Bond can stick his head into. So they they have they have carved this miniature, and it is like part of the table. And the bottom of the miniature is is the ceiling, like the ceiling of the miniature is actually where the 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 table middle of the table is, I guess. So like, it, it, they why <laughs> why would they not just take a miniature and put it on put it on the table? Uh, because then Bond wouldn't learn what the plot is. Sure. <laughs> But that's that's not even my worst of the problems. Probably the worst thing is him how he escapes. But um, so then one of the, the uh, mobsters tells Goldfinger, "Hey, I'm not I'm not in for this. Just give me my money and I'm gonna leave." Uh, Mister Solo, a solo story. Um, sure. See what I did? <laughs> Nothing. Um, so he's like, "All right, we're gonna escort you out." And then he get gets him to Odd Job. Odd Job gets him in his car. Bond is able to sneak the tracking device on him. The, the the nice little radio transmitter that he can mm-hmm. stick in his shoe, which I think is a really cool gadget. Um, so Oddjob takes that guy to go get killed. And he crushes uh-huh. the car and everything, and then he puts it on the truck. And I'm like... Well, that's, that's the best part, is that he he, he, kill, he has... Or he kills this guy. He drives him to a junkyard. Yeah. And, uh, he has the car crushed. Yeah. He has the car put back in the truck, and then he drives the truck all the way back... To Goldfinger's ranch, and during that process is when the FBI guys, CIA, not the is it CIA guy, sorry, because um, we have our the, new Felix Leiter who looks nothing like the last correct. Felix Leiter. Felix Leiter is, is the this, actual. Code trust name. me, this is a common theme moving forward, Tyler. It's Fe- a Felix common Leiter. Theme. Felix Leiter is the actual code name. It's not James. Bond. That's what I'm James saying. Bond. People are always going, "Oh, James Bond's a code name." I'm like, you look at Felix Leiter. That's <laughs> the code name. Yeah. Um. They, but yeah, they, so so the process of doing this is what attracts the CIA guys back to Goldfinger's ranch, and I'm like, well, what was the purpose of all? Like you've just, it's 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 what so, did you it's accomplish? So, it's solely tension building because you're like, oh, is is Bond's message going to get out? And then it doesn't. Like, well, it doesn't. But then the CIA guys come because. Bond put the tracker there. So like, well, don't they then? I can't remember what the the the. Oh right, right. Then Goldfinger are. Goldfinger does uh, does show. Um, he he has he has Miss Galore. Oh, there you go. Uh, c- come up and 
uh, walk Bond around and then. Oh, and then they, oh, we, we can continue on with your section here in, yeah. uh, in a second. Um, but yes, they have her come up, or he has her come up, and so then the CIA guys are like, "Oh yeah, Bond's doing fine. Looks looks like Bond. Moving on." Um, yeah, and then and then yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the real problem is that the, once Solo leaves, Goldfinger then gasses the entire room and kills all the gangsters. <laughs> yes. Now, you might say to yourself. Self, doesn't it just seem a lot more convenient for Solo to be left in the room and then to just kill all the gangsters? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 probably that probably makes a bit more sense. However, it still doesn't make sense that Goldfinger explained his plan to them, and then you say to yourself, Self, why did he have to kill the gangsters? Why couldn't it have just been he killed Solo? Why can't the gangsters have just been with him at Fort Knox? And then you go, I think I just made a better movie. Well, that's the thing is that Goldfinger owes nothing to these guys. He's He's got their money. Yeah. And that's the thing is that Goldfinger, uh, he owes nothing to these gangsters. He has all their money. Like, like they're waiting for him, him to pay them back. Yeah. So, like, he has no obligation. He doesn't need them to, like, do anything for him. They've they've really gotten themselves in a bind. They've made a clearly a horrible business transaction. I, I'd like to know the um, backstory of how he was able to swindle all these fools <laughs> yeah. into giving him money. Uh, and and then he he kills them. And then he just kills like, them. Well, why and, not just and, have them show up and then kill him? In, kill them. in the book, Goldfinger is a lot more uh, cooperative with his, with his criminal okay. friends. Basically, he invites a whole slew of gangsters. And he, he doesn't have their money already, but he goes, hey, join me in this thing. And he's able to convince them all because Goldfinger is a very persuasive person. Um, and Pussy Galore, I said it, is actually one, <laughs> one of the gangsters. She's, she's a lesbian gangster, and she leads a whole, a whole uh, group of, of lesbians, uh, uh, criminals. Uh, Ian Fleming has issues with, homo, uh, you know, homosexuals. <laughs> Sure. It's it's just bizarre. Um, Ian Fleming was a flawed man, okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> more like Ian Fleming. Anywho, um, and Bond doesn't Bond and Tilly Masterson. I think she's still alive at this point in the book. Basically, Goldfinger forces them into joining and being a part of his plan and like hmm. how they lay it out in the book like it makes it makes enough sense but basically Bond's not just a prisoner like he's actively a part of this plan um so it makes sense that he's hearing how how the the plan to rob Fort Knox plays out um as opposed to just what's the laziest way for him to escape this room and then what's the laziest way for him to hear yeah. this exposition um, yeah, and it's, like I said, it's kind of just a multitude of factors in that section of the movie that just kind of make me scratch my head. Um, uh, but we haven't gotten to the the capstone. No, 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 we haven't gotten to uh, the capstone. Because after this, if they had just kept the gangsters alive and gone and killed Solo the way that they did, well, but that I, was I have the other a lot thing I was less thinking. question marks. While you were saying that, I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's not even really effective, because 
they take Solo, they, 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 they take him to the junkyard, they get his car crushed, and they bring it back. If he was planning on leaving the gangsters alive, they would walk out and see, wait, what's this crushed car doing here? Isn't that Solo's car? What's that about, Goldfinger? I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have the whole crushed car thing. Sure, sure. Well, I, I could have them crush the car, but then leave it at the junkyard. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why bring Somehow it back? Somehow they're able you... to put it on that truck and bring it back. It doesn't make a look. Well, actually, no, they, they said they were bringing it back so that they can get the gold back out of it, which is fine, I guess. Just have it be but... a car that doesn't have gold in it. <laughs> or or have... Oddjob has all the time in the world. Just have him take the gold out of the car. He's a strong man. Put it in his he truck. He can pry it with his put hands. Put it in his truck. Then crush the car, leave the car there, take the gold back. I like that. It's like one of, it's like it's like one of those like like canoe uh, riddles where you have like three people on one side of the river and you have to get them on the other, and the canoe can only take two people or whatever that is. Um, apparently, it's that complicated. So I like odd job. He's he he seems he seems like he's got it together. <laughs> we gotta we gotta finish off this section of movie. No, we don't. I don't want to talk there, about it anymore. There's a, there's a hard cut. And then we we kind of move on to the finale from there, and it's fine. Um, in fact, it's it's pretty good. But it's, it's, it's a rollicking good time. Finale's um, pretty solid. Goldfinger getting bullet? sucked out of a plane, not so much. Eh, I'm on board. Um, Bond uh, takes Miss Galore. <laughs> uh, she she's giving him a tour because Goldfinger notices the the. CIA people. I think he just thinks they're like... Does he think they're CIA people? I forget. Um, I can't remember. He, I think he doesn't quite suspect who they are. But, but he's, he's like, they're, like they're watching us. Let's, let's have, let's have uh, Miss Galore show Bond a good time. Yeah. And so um, she takes Bond around and they find a barn and somehow they end up in the barn. I don't know how, how Bond convinces her to go inside the barn. But they like have a couple of like sort of played for laugh moments where where they knock each other into the hay, and then Bond and it's supposed to be her. like, oh, Pussy Galore is just as strong as Bond. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, made, she made him fall in the hay. That's funny. Um, and he he knocks her into the hay and and gets on top of her, and then proceeds to forcefully kiss her as she pushes back against him until finally she gives in. And then the scene cuts as they're making out. Yep. And, and the way this all plays out makes it worse, I think, than what I'm making it sound like. Like, it doesn't sound very good, but I, I think even watching it, you're like, oh. Oh. Well, especially when you look at... Oh, no. When you look at the subtext, and especially, like, where the books come from with her being a lesbian. Sure. And in the book, it's pretty, like, explicit that he turns her away from being a homosexual. <laughs> Is it really? Is is that in the book as well? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I think I told you Tilly Masterson is alive through to the Fort Knox stuff. And I think just uh-huh. during the craziness of Fort Knox, they're trying to run away and she gets killed. And then in like the last 20 pages of the, of the book, Bond seduces Pussy Galore. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but basically, he kisses the gay out of her. Yes. <laughs> and it's just so bizarre. Uh, Kisses being a kind word. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I was argue just with like, that. I was just like, what? <laughs> I know it's the '60s, and yes, Bond is a very sexist character. Yes. Like that's a thing. 
Um, but he is a male power fantasy in the sixties. Uh, for me, He's, you're gonna get some of this. For me, but that, that side of it bothers me far less than Pussy Galore is supposed to be. Compared to the other Bond girls we've gotten so far, she's supposed to be like, oh, she's strong, she's independent, she don't need no man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially when she's like, cut the charm, like it it, it doesn't work on me. Like she she's very independent. Um. And, they, and she can I mean, handle seem... her own. And she's not with Goldfinger, you and, know, romantically or sexually. And the movie does have subtext that she's gay. Like Yes. That, that, I, you know, I that... like that it's subtext. I don't like that it's so explicit. Mostly because of Ian Fleming's weird uh, feelings sure, about homosexuality. Sure. <laughs> You'd but... rather people with this kind of... Uh... This kind of approach not be handling that kind of subject yes. matter, but that um, but that leads into my problem with the name. I think the the name is way too over the top for how sure. subdued that subject matter then becomes. Yes. Um. I don't know. I don't want to Probably talk about this too much. The movie. Uh, yeah. No, I agree. And there's not much more to say about it other than it's a thing. It's weird. Um, it's a thing that happens. Why don't you go watch the movie? She's my favorite Bond girl thus far because mm-hmm. Honor Blackman's awesome. <laughs> like this is a character I would want brought back in sequels right or like if you were to tell me we're making a terrible spin off with one of the Bond characters and we said we're doing it with Pussy Galore and it's the <laughs> same actress I go alright fine I'll watch it <laughs> yeah I don't know but then ultimately him kissing the gay out of her leads her to warning all the army guys that, that Fort Knox is going to be robbed. Um, and she switches out the canister so that way nobody gets killed. They all just fake getting knocked out. Yeah. Which when you're watching it is a goofy scene because it looks like a lot of them are like fake falling over. Because um, they are. But then you realize in in the plot of the movie, oh hey, they actually were fake falling over. Alright, this makes so much more sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's true. Uh-huh. They can kind of... That is a fun little thing, too, because then they can use that twist. Not only did they introduce the twist to make it a better plot, they also used the twist to uh, excuse what... Like, if they, you know, if they'd done the straight, ah, oh, they're, they're invading Fort Knox and they're putting all the guards to sleep, that's probably what it would have looked like anyway. So it's like, now they can sort of get away with, ah, oh, you know, we don't have to make it look 100% realistic. Right. Pretty clever I'd say so let's talk about the golf scene the golf scene's awesome I like that quite a bit Cause which you said that is that is straight out of the book correct as far as I can remember it's been a little while so, since I read Goldfinger lines. but I, I do believe that's pretty pretty close to the book yeah where basically Bond uh, realizes along the way that Goldfinger is cheating he odd job is, is slipping golf balls into areas to make a make sure Goldfinger kind of gets better position or just generally doesn't like have to take faults and that sort of thing. Um, and so, so Bond switches, uh, at one point when he, he's grabbing the, the golf balls out of the hole, he switches, um, the, uh, a ball that he picked up, um, because basically I, I forget the idea is that he's standing on. Yeah. Golf he, ball. He's able to find Goldfinger's real ball. Um, which is an excellent little like that entire scene. I, I I'm not presenting this well because if you haven't seen it, it's it's a really really great really well laid out scene. Um, because basically the idea is that it starts with 
or the the beginning of the intrigue starts with Goldfinger looking for um, the the golf ball that he's hit into the rough, um, seemingly into the woods, and, and he's running out of time to find it before he has to take a take a fault for the the shot. Um, and and Bond uh, is like, oh well, uh, I guess your your turn's almost up, and then. Um, Oddjob drops the golf ball into the rough through his pant leg, and Goldfinger's like, "Ah, here it is, of course." And then, um, I think at some point Bond finds another, or at some point in that scene, Bond finds another golf ball, right? Yeah, isn't it like a, and it's a, it's a similar looking golf ball. Um, and so then uh, Bond's like, "If that's his ball, I, uh, some, some no, no, his caddy know. goes, if that's his ball, then I am Arnold Palmer." Yeah, yeah. His caddy was amazing. His caddy's great. I, I wish his caddy was was Felix Leiter. Like, it would be great. They need. I don't like the Felix his... Leiter in this movie. He's bland. He's a wet blanket. Sure, sure. Need to liven him up. Uh, but what? But yeah, basically, Bond's like, oh well, I'm standing on his ball right here, so uh, clearly that's not his. Yeah. And so they, and basically, Bond ends up swapping out his golf ball with a. Uh, so the incorrect golf ball, which yeah. is against like the well, Goldfinger the says at the beginning. He says strict rules of golf. Yes, and, and strict the, and rules. The you have time, to use the same ball. And the entire time they are playing for a gold bar, like Bond has, has staked a gold bar on this. Uh, yes, on this this game, and so uh, Goldfinger because he doesn't he's like trying a, to entice Goldfinger into doing business with him. Yes, and there's a great little scene where Goldfinger puts the golf ball on the tee, and it falls off, and and Bond and his caddy are like, <gasps> and like it, there's tension, like it's actually like, oh, we want we want this plan to work. There's so there's dramatic speed ramping as yeah. it zooms in on their faces. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually what happens. No, 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 it's 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 well done, and and then he hits it, and then Bond is like, oh, well, you you won the round. Oh, what? Wait, what's this? You, you're you're playing with the wrong ball. I'm sorry, Goldfinger, but I guess you lose. And... There's strict rules of golf. It looks like you lost the match and the hole, or yeah, straight that reverse it. Sure, sure, and uh, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's it's really really well done. Good acting, good writing. I I, I had a good time with it. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Probably might be my favorite scene in the movie. That, that's going to be one that, that. That's fair. It's just very clever. Um, a fun, fun way to kind of get we get a lot of subtext and 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 general dialogue between our two uh, dueling characters. And well, it and tells sort of, us a lot about Goldfinger and what he's yes. willing to do for what seemingly isn't that much. Like yeah. for him, a, a single gold bar really shouldn't be that much, but he's willing yes. to cheat. To such extreme to 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 get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's probably and the Bond's most clever... willing to uh, break the rules in order to to get stuff done. I like just to catch you know, people. Yeah, yeah, they're it... they're telling us a lot about the characters without actually having to spell out what they're trying yes. to tell us. Yes. Um, and Bond, that's probably the most clever Bond is in this movie in terms of like him trying to be an actual uh, sort of. I feel like for ha- a good chunk of the movie, he's just like. It'll all work itself out, I guess. <laughs> he really is, yeah. But not when it comes to golf. But not when it comes then to Then he's got to lay down the line. Correct. Yeah. Good scene. Very good scene. Um, we get we get Oddjob uh, throwing his hat and decapitating a statue. Which is just delightful. Yeah. Um, 
I love everything about I, Odd Job. I appreciate how there's not really any like. I mean, aside from the general, you know, this is the '60s. We cast minority characters in these weird exotic uh, roles because that's that's all they're good for. Because we're '60s Hollywood casting directors. That is a thing in the book where he hires mainly Chinese workers. Interesting. There well, is a, there just... is some context for that. I can't quite remember the details, but that is a a thing established in the book. Right. I was just going to say that they don't really like Odd Job. He's he's just a a dude. He he doesn't talk much. He he's a strong guy. Well, Goldfinger cool doesn't ever really condescend to him. He's just like yeah, he's a very but... useful guy. He just does work. You know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I appreciate that it's not, you know... It, they, they, somehow they had restraint with that in terms of, like, not trying to do... I, I can't... I'm not even really sure. Like, I feel like Chinese ra- racism is, is sort of not a thing you run into a whole lot anymore, I, I like to think. I mean, I, I know that's probably not the case, but at least culturally, we don't, we don't... It's not a topic that's on the forefront of our minds so I don't even know what tropes they, they probably had in movies in the 60s, but it seems like it's just like, hey, we just cast this guy. It's a very interesting dude. We're not going to, you know, really say much about him or anything. He's just kind of this cool guy, and he does a thing. You're consulting the internet there? No, we're good. I'm, start, I'm, just, I'm just looking up stuff. It's fine. Start uh, reciting Goldfinger while you... Uh, wait. No, just, no, I'm not going to do that. Goldfinger! Um, let's talk about the Aston Martin. Oh, yeah. It's the best car ever. <laughs> pretty cool. And that's... Remind me... I might be forgetting something, but isn't that pretty much the only Bond gadget, quote-unquote, that we get in this one? Got that in the radio. Yeah, yeah, and, and and both of those things are very like. This seems like a pretty practical thing. Yeah, it seems like a functional thing that you know the, that the, doesn't solely work with this plot. Yes, the Aston Martin has a a seat, um, has an ejector seat, which like you would think like, oh, that's going to come in some really convenient way. But uh, a, it's not a very powerful ejector seat, as we find out later in the movie. No, it shoots the guy up like five well, feet. Kind of part is, you compare the power of that one to. There's a bit in Die Another Day, and I know this movie's garbage, but there's a bit where Bond's car is upside down. Uh-huh. Okay? Um, and he, he's kind of... The, the car is skimming over snow, and so he opens up the the, the, the roof, uh-huh. releases the ejector seat, and it propels the car back the other sure. way so it lands sure. the right way up. Sure. I, I like don't know the, if it makes a lick of sense, but I like it. <laughs> I like the implications of because the thing is that with like the ejector seat, I'm gonna have to come. I don't know why I'm talking about this now because I'm gonna have to come back to it when we do die another day. Just oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll do that five years from now. It's gonna be a while we before we that's, get there. That's accurate. Um, but I like because like in that case, you'd have the ejector seat just like separating immediately. Like it wouldn't. It would just be entirely the force of launching the seat from the car. It's not yeah. like the the seat is pushing off the ground or anything. Yeah, exactly. Unless it like bounced off the ground and then shoved back into the car, but that's a whole other thing. That would be pretty um, funny. That would be pretty funny. It just uh, it just hits Bond in the head. I I like thinking about what this would do to the car if it was just ejected normally, because clearly that means the car has to have like industrial grade uh, shocks. Because otherwise, <laughs> like how how would you launch that seat normally? Like if it's if it's shoots with enough force to flip the car over if it's upside down. 
that it's got to just like shove it. Like you've got to create some potholes whenever you launch that. Thing. Tyler, I'm going to warn you. If this is the level of logic you're trying to use with just that sequence, <laughs> we will not make it through Die Another Day. I'm kind of excited. We won't make it through. <laughs> Oh, boy. We'll put a pin in that conversation for now. You don't know. (laughs) Um, But the ejection scene in this one is lame. (laughs) It's fine. It's it's just the fact that there's an insert shot of the guy, like, getting launched up, and then there's just a wide shot. (laughs) And it's, like, two feet above the car, and you just hear the guy go, ah! I mean, I can't deny that it's effective. It got the guy out of the car. It got the guy out of the car. What more do you want? You know, like, it got him away from Bond. Good. (laughs) I guess. It just looks real stupid. It kind of does, but it's fine. Also, we have another car blowing up before it's gotten halfway down a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a little bit different because the car just like hits the top of the cliff and then immediately explodes. Whereas, like, and and from much with love, or was it? No, it was Doctor No No that did this. Right. The three blind mice in their car where it just starts rolling and then it's it's almost all the way down the hill and then it blows up. It just blows up, but they can't wait that long. Um, This one makes. A little more sense in the sense that it doesn't make any sense, but it's more than Doctor No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I like the the old grandma who like runs the gate, and then Bond comes back through the Aston Martin, and then she just starts shooting at him with a machine gun. <laughs> There's little touches like that throughout these movies, you know. Despite me me critiquing kind of their how they structure the plots and suck all the character out of Bond. They always manage to throw in these little weird side characters that just spice it up and make it a little yeah. more interesting. Yeah. And that's that's pretty consistent throughout, I would say. Um, but then it leads into one of the more questionable moments in the movie um, where Bond's... He's driving through Goldfinger's facility. He's getting chased. He's driving down, like, this really long hallway. Yeah. And all he can see is, like, two headlights in front of him, so he thinks it's a car... He starts shooting at it. He realizes, oh, God, I'm going to crash. He he moves and he hits the, the wall and knocks mm-hmm. himself out. Um, and it turns out it's just this mirror, but it's not like a mirror that takes up the full wall. It's just, Sure. The way they shoot it is bizarre because Oddjob gets out of his car, looks at it. It looks like it's just up in the corner of the room. It's not even yeah. like right in the middle of the wall. It's which, an optical illusion. It's an optical illusion that makes no sense. <laughs> The, the also, the, ha- also the speed ramping when when Ajab opens the door and Bond falls over unconscious is <laughs> just the worst. But then it leads into the laser scene, so that's fine, I guess. Yeah, I do like how which I have questions with. There's questions, but at least they come up with a decent reason for Bond to be kept alive for the rest of the movie. Yes, and that's that. You know, Goldfinger's not actually sure how much he knows about his plan and how much he's communicated with MI6 or whatever agency he's working with. Um, So he's going to keep him alive. That way they don't send another agent to come snooping around. Like, that that Mm -hmm. makes enough sense. Because it's a typical trope where it's like, oh, why are you explaining your plot to him? Why are you keeping him alive? You can just shoot him. They come up with a good reason why he's alive. Yeah. Yeah, why they can keep him around. Um, the actual scene, it, obviously, it's very iconic, and it's a it's a cool torture device. Um, and of course, the 
the the the great no i expect you to die yeah like when like that's a, that's an excellent that's a very like forward thinking v- villain line or like villain approach yeah. or attitude uh for for a movie this this old and maybe it's because we we hit a dip somewhere along well, the way well, and we're crawling just, out of it now immediately tells us oh goldfinger means business he just is here to get the job done yeah he and it tells us he doesn't waste time it tells us he doesn't really care what happens to Bond. Like he's, yeah. he, he literally is just trying to, to execute his plan, and he's not gonna like be a, like it's just a weirdly modern villain sensibility. And of course, he he does do some of that stuff as the movie goes on, but I think that's that's there's a reason that line is so iconic. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, the actual device... and also the implications of the the laser heading toward Bond's uh, manhood. Sure. With how sure. sexist these movies are is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's very strange because um, and it's it's funny insert, because of how much insert insert scene of Bond saying, uh, Dink say goodbye to Felix. Uh man talk. And then he spanks her. Oh, I was gonna say insert uh Bond in the chair in Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh it's a callback. Uh <laughs> even though that's in the first book, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Um, what is it with Ian Fleming and torturing Bond's genitals? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's very strange because it's you're watching Sean Connery like freak out over this, and like in you know in the context of ju- if you're just watching the effect the movie is and good. Uh, yeah, the, the and, actual laser itself, the effect is pretty convincing. And if you're just watching the movie, not really thinking about it, you're like, okay, Bond, you know, he's 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 freaking out. He's he's only got a little bit of time before this is going to start cutting into him. And that's but one thing you, I do like is that Bond's desperate. Yeah, it's nice. There's um, there's there's not enough of Bond being desperate, particularly in the second half. Like I, I said, it feels like he's mostly on autopilot. I don't really have any problems with that scene per se, other than the fact that if you think about it, Bond is freaking out like this as because the laser is heading towards his genitals. It's not like, oh, I'm about to die. Like it's not going like sideways and about to to cut his neck off. It's like, oh God, make it stop! No. <laughs> Bond wouldn't do that. Bond's not weak. <laughs> it, the laser would just bounce off when it, when it got there. It was never in any yeah. danger. <laughs> there you go. But then uh, there's other setup and payoffs that I really like. Like I like the scene where where you know he wakes up on the plane and he meets Pussy Galore. Um, I'm not gonna just say her first name by itself. If I'm gonna say if I'm gonna say the, the word, I'm gonna say the whole name. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> we're a very mature podcast. We're a very mature podcast. We're not freaked out by weird names that are sexually <laughs> explicit. We're not uncomfortable by these things or Ian Fleming's uh, feelings towards homosexuals. It doesn't bother us at all. <laughs> Correct. But but there's the bit where, where she's pointing the gun at him and she's like, these aren't blanks or knockout darts. Like, these are real bullets. And, she, and he goes, oh, well, you know, that's a Smith & Wesson. You shoot one bullet, the whole plane will implode. And that's a nice setup for when Goldfinger does it at the end of the movie. Like, there's a couple of very nice setup and yeah. payoffs that I would not expect from this movie. It's a surprisingly tight script. Yes. Uh, overall, I would say, in terms of making sure we can. T- I mean, in the in kind of the opposite way that where I had a lot of problems with the way the rush from Russia with Love sort of developed. Yeah. In terms of momentum, um, I really enjoy this one. I, I feel like it kept the tension up a lot more. And despite it kept losing driving... its its way a little sure. bit, in the, sure, the end loses of the second its act. It loses its steam just late enough that you can kind of like power through it pretty yeah. easily because you're like, all right, we're we're almost to the and end. And give it five minutes and the climax will start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
I will say that there is one interesting aspect I'd like to to talk about, and that's that's the first Bond girl, um, and this becomes a trope uh, of sort of the the sacrificial lamb, as it were, the, the sacrificial Bond girl. There you go. Um, basically, the Ooh. the first girl that Bond sleeps with in most Bond movies uh, is the one to die. Right. Um, that's not necessarily true. That that whole statement, like there's there's asterisks everywhere on that statement but sure but the first main bond girl that actually affects the plot that bond sleeps with tends to be the one that gets killed and then in the second half of the movie the real bond girl shows up and then they get together at the end right um on a boat on a on boat. a boat or just on the ground sure mostly boats though not this one though got two out of three Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, what? What is this one? This one's under a parachute. Yes. Is that, am I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's it, it has to be related to some sort of vehicle. That's what get. That's what go. gets okay. Bond going. Okay. That, it's, yeah. It's vehicles. Yeah, um, there you go. Um. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I thought of was ejector seats. Let that let that stew for a bit. Anyway, it gives that whole sequence where he goes ejector seat. You're joking. It gives it a whole new meaning. <laughs> we need to talk about the Q sequence though, because uh, it is they good, yeah. really really secure Q's place in in this world. Secure. Yeah, there you go. Um, but anyways, the sacrificial lamb, as it mm-hmm. were, they really establish that here and. I remember pointing it out in Doctor No, where I'm like, the formula is mostly here, and I, I do understand. You know, a lot of people are like, this is where it really like they secure the formula. I'm like, right? I begrudgingly agree. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I think people have, you know, they, they exaggerate a little bit, just like the previous two movies. They make it sound like the previous two movies aren't like Bond movies, which yeah. is not true at all. Mm-hmm. They feel very much like Bond movies. Um, but I do agree this is where, like, they secure the formula that they will never let go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the gold girl, it's just... it. Once again, it doesn't make a lick of sense because this is a cartoon, but... Right. It's such an evocative image. Well, that's... So the, the, the in-universe explanation, that, that is it Bond that says that? Yes. Um, is like oh well she she died because she suffocated her skin uh by painting over or they they suffocated her skin by painting over her entire body yes rather than leaving a patch at the base of the spine yes um which i think is like an actual conspiracy there's a conspiracy um, that this girl actually or, died while they were making ah, the movie good. um she didn't not sure she didn't like as far as we can prove she didn't <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, not a conspiracy i guess that's not the right the right word um but a uh urban legend is yeah what i'm going for um i, I kind of like the idea that actually they just strangled her and bond was like ah oh, yes it's it's paint poisoning and and they're like no no, no, no he, just... he forgot to turn her body over and there's just like a bullet wound in her abdomen <laughs> she's just bleeding for, she yeah. just bled out <laughs> yeah yeah um that or it was like lead paint you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> million other ways she could have died but Bond. the point like, no, 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 I want to get to with, with the sacrificial lamb trope is that yeah. most of the time Bond gets over it immediately like most of the time he doesn't even think about it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and at least this one, when he's talking to M about it and he's explaining it, he does seem a little bit upset. Yes. Um, well, it's interesting, and that does get that real... does get dropped. That's We've the only est- real thing this to... bond is established that he quickly gets over the losses of people he cares about, but yeah, that's that's the only real thing they try to do with him in yeah. terms of that. Um, like M goes, this isn't a personal vendetta. Yeah, and it's like, wait, that that's kind of weird. considering how many other people he's slept slept with in this this series. Like, what? Also, considering how many times he'll go on a personal vendetta in future movies. Right, right. It's like well, that's it's... the only plot they can think to, think of now. <laughs> It's like, why is this the one girl that he was like, ah, oh, yes, now I have to go kill this man. I swear like, to God, if because it just got announced, I'm dating the podcast, that Rami Malek is, is supposed to be the next Bond villain, or he's probably going to oh, be really? the next Bond is villain. He? If they say he's, he's another long-lost brother or some <laughs> shenanigans like that, I'm not going to be happy. <laughs> this is... So, so Bond was Blofeld's half-brother. Right, I got that right. No, the, uh, not even half brothers, right? Like that. I thought that's what it was. I thought it was. Aren't they just step brothers? Or step brothers? Maybe maybe step brothers. Yeah. Okay, so Bond is Blofeld. Oh, that's even better. So Bond is Blofeld's <laughs> step brother. Rami Malek is going to play Blofeld's half brother. So it's it's going to be. But his, like, na- his name's going to be Schmofeld. His name's going to be Schmofeld, and he's going to be getting revenge on Bond. For because he actually loved Blofeld, Burns and they're gonna Avro Schmofeld is his name, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 there's you know the whole thing where like like Blofeld was really upset about like Bond, you know he's like Bond always got like the better the better deal and everything. This is like the my father where, like, loved him and he didn't love me, so I killed my father, became a super criminal, and yes. was destined to destroy so the life of my, I became my my fake I, brother who's a super spy. I killed my father, set up my or stepbrother in order to make sure he becomes a a, a masterful super spy, then became a super villain. Spectre <laughs> is the dumbest movie. <laughs> it is. Uh, but I'm going to make it dumber, and I'm going to have Rami Malek. He's going to play Schmofeld. Okay, okay, go full dumb if you're going to go dumb. Like, <laughs> make no bones about it not being he's, serious. He's going to make no bonds about it. Uh, he's going to make... <laughs> we got he's all gonna the bonds tonight! He, he's going to be, be Schmofeld, and he's I'm going to be... Chair. Blofeld's half-brother, and then he's going to... Uh, he's actually looked up to and loved Blofeld. Uh the entire time and it's going to be a whole retcon where like uh schmofeld actually like was in that picture of bond and, and blofeld but like that that picture was cut off uh or or maybe he's not maybe they're just going to show the picture and the picture is going to have him in there and it's going to be like yeah he was in that picture in the last movie what are you talking about he's been here the whole time <laughs> and then, then, then it, it cuts back literally to the scene where bond's looking at that photo and it's just <laughs> a poor photoshop <laughs> but it's it's not even like a younger version of Rami Malek. It's literally no, 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 no. it's literally him in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> What's Freddie Mercury oh. doing there? No, it's a picture of Freddie Mercury. You know what I just realized? <laughs> you know what I just realized? What's that? It would be more realistic if all the Bond villains that Craig has faced, if they were all related. <laughs> It's just like, oh, it's a whole bunch of brothers. <laughs> like that would make more sense. I would, uh, to my I would make. I would make. Uh, Leia Sedu. 
Is that if I got that right? Yeah. I'm gonna make that very awkward. If, I mean, if... it's already terrible and awkward. Who cares? Just go full true. stupid. Just do That's it. Very true. Just do it. Just lean into stupidity. Bond slowly turns into the family trees of Game of Thrones. Leaning into stupidity, the James Bond story. <laughs> That's our that's our Bond title. That's our Bond title. <laughs> it, it's it's the sequel to Iron Toes. Fun fact: so apparently, there's a couple of times in future movies where they considered the villain being Goldfinger's brother. Amazing. I'm not kidding. There we Rami Malek can play Iron Toes. No, he can, yeah. I, he can play Ferris Iron Toes Schmofeld. That's gonna be great. <laughs> Oh, this is great! <laughs> and then, and then his son uh, is is born Rick Schmofinger, and he changes it to, or sorry, Schmoldfinger. And he changes it to Goldfinger. I hate you. <laughs> see, see, you were really excited when I watched this movie because you were like, "Oh, you you like Bond? I'm okay. We, you know, I've 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 got him on board. You don't realize how quickly I'm going to turn into let's break this franchise mode." I mean, I think it's already broken itself, so... I'm never going to be able to enjoy it, seriously enjoy another Bond movie, because I'm just going to be thinking about how stupid I can make it. I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's going to get to the point where you're like, they're, they're, they're like, making it... They're, they're putting themselves in the hole, like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, I, I swear I'm not guilty. I don't even have to do any work. You haven't seen Moonraker. <laughs> That's fair. But anyways, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Um... How do you feel about the theme song? As I said before, it might be the be- simultaneously the best and the worst song ever made. It's it's extremely on the nose and sort of obnoxious. She she says Goldfinger in a very high pitched voice f- several times. Yes, quite a bit. Um, every other line basically. Yes. Um, but it's also sort of endearing. <laughs> it's super catchy and memorable. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like, I'm going to I make like fun how they, of it. I like when they're able to weave the Bond theme into the score. Mm-hmm. And they do that a lot with this one, mm-hmm. which I really like. Um, I also like a Bond theme where they're able to weave the actual Bond theme into the song. And they do that a yeah. few times. Yeah. It's just Shirley Bassey's voice. I just, I think it's, it's a, a love lot. it or hate it kind of deal. And I, I'm, I just don't care for it. There's, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I can um, listen to this song and, and not be like annoyed or anything, but I, I'm I'm definitely going to make fun of it more more times throughout the podcast. I think the more that I do that throughout these podcasts, the more I will decide I love it. <laughs> There's a couple more that she she does. Um, I don't yes. think they're nearly as memorable as Goldfinger. So I would really ha- I'm, I I haven't I haven't seen Thunderball yet. Um, I'm I'm hoping that uh, I like the, the Thunderball theme. It's it's very similar to, to Goldfinger in terms of, like, half the words are Goldfinger, but it's Tom Jones. <laughs> I really like Tom Jones. Well, see, that's that's what I was, I was going to say. Apparently, the I final hope... note that he sings, apparently he, he, like, fainted while he was doing it. <laughs> or, I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what I've heard. Sure, sure. I was going to say, I'm really hoping that it is sort of the, the polar opposite of this in terms of it's a it's a guy going, like, Thunderball! No, it's not that. Unfortunately, not. Bond faces the Thunderball! Goldfinger! 
now, okay, here's what I have to do, everyone. I have to go take Tyler. We'll have a, a, a good group hangout, a bunch of friends. We'll get Tyler drunk. It'll be karaoke night. We'll get him up there. He'll start singing Goldfinger. I will record it, and then we'll have it on for you to listen to on the podcast. You, you make it sound like this is very difficult, a very difficult process in order to get me to record a singing of Goldfinger. <laughs> I could just do it. Okay. You know, it's, it's, it's not... So I thought it'd be more of a fight, but all right, all right I win. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a couple of things that I wanted to bring up just in terms of how this is developing as a franchise because obviously this is the one that cemented the formula and was the biggest the highest grossing movie ever at that point and like sure. Bond mania exploded from it two things I wanted to point out number one I, I think we've already talked about this a good bit just how more cartoony this is compared to the previous two the previous two yes have their goofy moments but for the most part they're kind of just straightforward spy thrillers yeah this one's just like a cartoon fantasy, a little bit. See, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit because we we haven't gotten to the standard of cartoon yet. We'll get there. All right, all right. Um, Are any of these directed by Joel Schumacher? That's that's my first question. Oh God, I wish. <laughs> oh, I want I want Joel Schumacher to do a Bond movie. That sounds just delightful. <laughs> I think we need to we need to petition uh, what, whoever owns these rights now to uh, after Bond twenty five. No, here's the thing: Canada can make a Bond movie now. Let's send Joel Schumacher to Canada. They can start a separate production. They'll have George Lazenby. They'll call it Old Man Bond. There we go. There we go. I've solved it for you, America. How You're welcome. Not, how have they not? I feel like in 20 years we're going to get a movie called Bond. And it's going to be because they finally figured out, hey, that Logan movie was pretty good. Let's try doing that. But it's going to be 20 <laughs> years after. Like, it's going to yeah. take them that long to be like, oh, uh, let's try that, maybe? Well, the, the closest they've come to, like, old man Bond as a concept, well, they've done this twice. Never Say Never Again, which is the unofficial one with Sean Connery. And then Skyfall. Okay. This is those are the closest we've ever gotten right, to exploring right. the idea of old man Bond. Oh, we could we could still rank the uh, the songs in terms of the the Craig movies as well. We can keep a running power ranking. I just I just had that thought. I mean, you know, my name's going to beat out every single song every single time for me. So I need a Goldfinger Skyfall mashup. Casino Royale beats all the Bond movies at everything except for villain. I think. <laughs> yeah. And maybe poker scene. And also, I was going to say, also accurate gambling. See, that's the thing. Because the, the gambling's pretty well shot in, in Casino Royale. It's just the, the way the actual hands play out and then exposition. I, I right. don't know. Um, I don't know. Casino Royale's awesome. Uh, do we really have a whole lot more to say about Goldfinger? Yes. Yes, we do. Because I wanted oh, to talk oh about not, not just the cartooniness, but also the fact that there's a lack of Spectre. And I think that's very interesting that they didn't feel the need to, to insert that in here. Because like I said, from Russia with Love and Dr. No, the books do not feature Spectre as elements. Yeah. They just put them in there. And I thought they worked pretty well. Um, weaving, weaving Spectre into those plots. This one, they don't feel the need to do that. They, they don't feel the need to say, hey, Goldfinger, he's working with Spectre. Yeah. I think that's a pretty smart move. I, I think that that overall 
Um, and, and I'm talking about I've seen the first three movies. You have to keep yeah. that in mind. I know nothing about. I think this might be literally the, the rest of Connery's me. movies involve Spectre. More, I say that. more I, so than the previous films. I've watched On Her Majesty's Secret Service a good bit of it with you, if yes. not all of it. Um, I have not seen Thunderball. I have not seen whatever the one that comes after On Her Majesty's Secret Service is. I might have missed another one in there. I don't remember. Yes. Um, You're missing You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever. Trust no me, it's, idea. Very, it's very confusing to keep up with these things because all the titles are, are the same. <laughs> no idea what either of those are and what Thunderball is. Uh, so I, I have no context for how much they're going to mess this up. Um, However, in one, James Bond has makeup on himself to disguise him as a Japanese man. Um, okay. Six foot whatever Sean Connery, Irish... <laughs> no, no. Scottish man. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm being offensive. I, I think he's Scottish. <laughs> Scottish You're being man. offensive by describing a man incorrectly in terms of his Caucasian race. Yes. Uh, as he does Japanese face? Yes. No, that's what he does. <laughs> like in one, in, in You Only Live Twice, he disguises himself as a Japanese man. And in Diamonds Are Forever, Blofeld uh, is dressed in drag. This movie is not a cartoon. I, I take back every time I said that. <laughs> not compared to those. It's going to be interesting moving forward, Tyler. It's going to be interesting. Because now, for you, we're leaving the relative comfort of movies you have some experience with. Now yes. now we're going into unknown territory of bizarreness. Which, but that's what I'm saying, is that I think, not having that context, this particular movie, I think that's an interesting way to take it. I think it makes the world feel a little bit bigger. I, yeah. I like, like the world of the, the movies to feel a little bit bigger. Um, to have this guy who's kind of a rogue agent. Oh, are you saying it's stupid to tie all the villains together? Like it's all one super, super tiny universe? When you face small fell. (laughs) Ah, yes, the writing is indeed on the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's, maybe it's, sorry, sorry, maybe it's. Schmo felt, schmo felt, schmo felt. <laughs> felt. Half brother is schmo felt. All right, we we know who to hire to write the next James Correct. Bond team. <laughs> Not me. Oh, 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 that's subverting your expectations there. Who's a good? How, how can we get Adam Levine to do a Bond song to make sure it's your most hated Bond song and and do like a. <laughs> It, it's literally Girls Like You. It's literally that song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would be the, I, want, I want Billy Joel to do a Bond song. Like, like... I haven't talked... I, I don't think I've said this on the podcast. My dream, like, band or artist to do a Bond theme is Tears for Fears. Like, if you go back and listen to some of their music from the 80s, some of that music sounds like thought, Bond themes. Did, wait, didn't you say that they had already done, a, like, an a unofficial Bond theme? Who was the one who did that? I don't know. There's been several uh, okay. people that have done unofficial Bond you said, themes. There was one in particular that you said you really liked that was not actually a Bond theme, but they, they made it thinking they were going to get a Bond theme. Or it was like an audition for a Bond theme. And they got beat out by somebody. I don't remember. I can't remember. There's so many weird stories. I think Johnny Cash did one for Thunderball. Fascinating. Um, Radiohead did one for Spectre. 
So so we Alice could, we could, Cooper did one for the man with the golden gun. We could have we could have gotten uh, Thunderball. No, it's it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> Sorry, I guess this would have been sixties Johnny Cash and not. Uh, he 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 looks very sad, and I feel very bad for him, Johnny Cash, who did uh, hurt. <laughs> right. Oh, That's also not at all what Johnny Cash sounds like. Anyway. Oh, now you want ha? Ah, now I want Old Man Bond, but it's a it's the trailer, and it's got hurt playing like with the <laughs> Logan. Ah. Oh! Oh, that! But no, I, I want I want Billy Joel to do a Bond song, and I want it to be like a, I want it to be sort of like that, like yeah. a, like he just comes out of nowhere, this very like depressing like old man Billy Joel song. Like it's it's this sad somber piano. Yes, yes, heavy uh, theme. I'm not talking about like I want I want '70s Billy Joel. I wish '70s Billy Joel had made a Bond. I'm saying I want Billy Joel as he is in his present. Well, it's funny because day. you know people people kind of make fun of Sam Smith's vocals in Writings on the Wall mm-hmm. for Spectre. I'm wondering if you got someone like like a Billy Joel to do that theme instead, if it would work better for yeah. people. I like that theme I, personally. That's actually kind of one of my favorite James Bond themes. Um, well, it's weird too because, like, how are you gonna how are you gonna be like, oh, that sounds dumb when you've got Goldfinger? Yeah, like, like, what do you like? What? I don't you know. know. They're both high pitched. The standards like, for Bond themes are weird. Okay, I was gonna say, I think it's and especially with how much people music say it takes. the man with the golden guns like one of the worst themes. I listen to it and I say that sounds like any other Bond theme. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say. Is I I think music already is such a nostalgia factored thing oh yeah where you, you know like if you add on i grew up of, with terrible early early 2000s alternative rock you better believe i'm still listening to it yeah yeah like you know the i think that you take that and you factor it into a 25 movie uh 40 50 year franchise you're gonna get like just this massive smattering of opinions yeah and people coalescing to weird just like yes that's the one and people being like, "What? What? Why?" I, I, think like, I don't know. Music. A lot of people tend to associate the song more with the quality of the movie. Sure. sure. So, like, if the movie's not as good, people tend not to to focus on the. And maybe, maybe that's a. a, a, a oh, I'd like to track that. The yeah. quality of the yeah. song versus the quality of the movie. It's and probably see some if bias that, there. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, my name is my favorite theme, and Casino Royale is my favorite Bond movie. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be interesting to 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 see. Yep. Goldeneye is my second favorite Bond movie, or at least as it stands right now, and I don't care for that theme very much. I'm giving a gold Goldfinger a B. <laughs> Funnily enough, so am I. Oh snap! We're in in lockstep here. That's not true. We we just disagreed on Russian with love. Um. Two of the three movies were, the were three in lockstep, and we'll we're, take we're, it. We're doing, we're doing good. This movie so, is thoroughly entertaining. Um, so, for me, really, it's just fixing some of those second act issues and some of the minor technical things, and yeah. I, maybe inserting some Bond character back into Bond. But I, I kind of know. Was, I kind of know what I'm getting into. So I was teetering on B plus. I can't, in good conscience, give a movie that's <laughs> that's quite this. Uh, dated. I'll 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 put it kindly. Uh, yeah. You know, but overall, I I definitely enjoyed it. I think it's it's got a good script. Um, good good performances. 
uh, good time. Good Sean time. Connery I, I, still cares. <laughs> yeah, I understand why this is sort of past the test of time in yeah. terms of people loving it. Um, very, very similar, I, I suppose, to uh, Spider-Man Two in that it was like, yeah, I get this. It's not really my thing, but I get this because um, I also gave that a B. Is why I'm bringing that up. I like this more than Spider-Man Two. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware you do, and that's not probably that controversial of opinion because this is supposed to be the best Bond movie. But I know it's you like not. your controversial Spider-Man Two movies, but I'm not giving you this. Er, well, no, I, I don't like Spider-Man my controversial opinions. Spider-Man Two movies. <laughs> I told you I watched that. Uh, that movie's irreparably damaged to me. Like I cannot watch that sure. movie and go. It's pretty good. <laughs> like I, I just too sure. many, too many problems. But Amazing Spider-Man Two, best Spider-Man movie. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because because we do when we got to our hundredth episode, we I, I, like we were we were changing some of our grades when we were reviewing the score sheet. I downgraded my 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 Amazing Spider-Man grade. Uh-huh. Having watched it recently, I'm not sure if I agree with my downgrade now. Interesting. I don't know where I sit with that movie because I really really like it. Which, I feel like you may have you may have gone for the wrong thing because I feel like you probably could have not that like you you feel like this way right now necessarily, but I feel like you probably could have hit Amazing Spider-Man two instead because that movie's not good. I'm not changing my grade on that. I feel I don't know what you gave it. But, um, Probably like a C. That movie, movie has some issues. Yeah, I gave it a C. I just an argument can like, be made for those... C minus. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of those things where we watch that, or I I watched that in theaters and I was like, oh, I really enjoyed that, and like no, I had uh, the exact same feeling when I watched and, it. And like over time, people were like, man, this movie sucks, and I'm like, no. Oh, it's, 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 good, it's good it's got some really good stuff I like it and I still think it's better than people give it credit for or at least it's highs are better than people give it credit for um, but then when we watched that for the podcast and I actually had to like think about it and like like put put together an opinion on it I was like oh I may have gone too far in a few places I, I have my few key defenses for that movie and I know <laughs> most people will not never understand and that's fine Oh my god. Please tell me this isn't true. What did you do? I'm scared. Guess what movie also has the same grade as The Amazing Spider-Man 2? I have no idea what you're going for. The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought I brought that up. Did I not? Maybe not. I don't know. It's okay to be wrong sometimes, you know? <laughs> I'm not changing it! <laughs> this is the hill I will die on! <laughs> How embarrassing! <laughs> Alright, I, I think I think we're done here. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can find us through Gmail at, or email, I should say, at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. And you can also find us by searching on iTunes and, iTunes and YouTube. We're, we're not rich enough to have fancy things on YouTube in terms of like, oh, I don't know, having an actual URL that, that looks good. I thought you were going to um, say subscribers. Having subscribers, that's that's also helpful. Um, but But they're out there. But they're out there. Adventure, adventure is out there. If you build it, they will come. Like and subscribe if if adventure is out there. You know. 
Like and subscribe if you give The Amazing Spider-Man 2 a C. Don't do that. I don't I don't want more people uh, enforcing Dislike his, his... and unsubscribe if you give The Good and the Bad the Ugly a C. <laughs> yes, please. I don't, I don't want people feeding into his neuroses. Come in with The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Come in with The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You know, there's going to be some at some point. One at some point, my Amazing Spider-Man Two Blu-ray, and yes, I do have one. I can confirm that. I paid for it. It's going to go missing, (laughs) and I'm never going to find it. And I'm never going to know who took it. Tyler took it. I'm just never (laughs) going to know. No, no, no. I'll 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 pay your roommate to take it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't like you. Alright everybody, I think that's about it Next time we'll be doing Thunderball And hopefully we won't be bored out of our minds That movie's boring <laughs> Anyways, art is subjective A Thunderball Today <laughs> See if I still Goldfinger <laughs> Okay <laughs>